Take my 
Good morning, everyone. This is a beautiful porch to join in after breakfast and meditation. Hmm? It's out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got the, the cricket or the insects. They're insects, yeah. You're getting a whole... Uh, Meditation with the insects. <laughs> they're all, they're singing with us. <laughs> We're used to it. Yeah, in Hawaii it was frogs. We would get, they were very loud and we learned to commune with the frog noises. And everywhere you go there's, there's something. But it's all a reflection of our mind. And it's good to remember that, that we're not at the mercy of external noise. It's, we're generating the noise, as they've shown, that's kind of a quantum perspective, that the ears are not like receivers of sound that we've been trained with, they're like speakers. They project the sound, we project the sound from our mind, and through the, the ears, those are like our speakers, our pioneer speakers, both speakers, some of us have really good ones. And we're very sensitive. They project sound. And these are projectors. The eyes are projectors. Really it's all happening in the mind, but it's the symbol with the body is being used by the ego to generate a, a world. And the world seems to be external to the body, but the body and the world are all part of a projection of the mind, the sleeping mind. And Fundamentally, what I want you to go into this weekend is have an experience, just begin to have an experience that it's all coming from your mind. That that will undo this sense of being a victim of something in the world. Whether it's a victim of sights or sounds or people or world events, or it doesn't really matter. It, once you start to realize that your mind is generating all of it, without exception, then you're taking the first big step to letting it go. If it's a projection and you don't know it's a projection, then you can just be angry and, and in the victim mode of, poor me, it's happening to me. I have difficult circumstances, I wish I had better circumstances. Look, there's other people that have better circumstances than I do. I wish I was like them, and it can't be that victimization is good, in, is real in any way. And so quantum physics really is a, a different perception 
of the world where you realize that that the world that you perceive is not apart from consciousness. It's part of consciousness. It's not really external. It, it seems to be, through the five senses, it seems to be an external world outside the body, but, but the body and the world is all in the realm of consciousness. And we learn from A Course in Miracles that consciousness was the first split the first split away from oneness, from eternity. So consciousness is the realm that we're working with when we talk about forgiveness, mind training. We're all within the field of consciousness. Jesus says something more about it in the Course that most spiritual teachers don't say. He says consciousness is the domain of the ego. So you start to see when you work with the Course, you're going to have to cut through a lot of spiritual terminology from a lot of teachers, because teachers will talk about God consciousness, Christ consciousness, super consciousness, all these kind of things. And very simply Jesus says that consciousness was the first split and it is the domain of the ego. So that's where the correction will occur in consciousness. Opening us to re reality, we'll call it, beyond consciousness is just what is, is pure light and love, and joy, and oneness. And in reality, there, there are actually true cause-effect relationships. So we could say that, that God is true and real, love, eternal love, and Christ, not Jesus the man, but the Christ idea, the perfect idea that is created from a from a perfect source, is what reality is. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because when we start to talk quantum, once we talk about the quantum realm, we're down in the realm of consciousness. And we want to come to an experience of unified consciousness, where there's not different levels, there's not different layers. We want to come to a place where everything is unified. In Christian terms, that would be salvation or forgiveness. In uh, quantum physics terms, it's called the unified field. And, and scientists, quantum physicists are fascinated by the unified field because everything is energy and everything is completely connected. There is no sense of separation in the unified field. In A Course in Miracles terms, there's a workbook lesson called 129, and the lesson is, beyond this world is a world I want. That unified consciousness, that quantum field, that's the world that we want. It's, there's no distinctions, there's no separate parts in that world, it's all unified energy. And there are no levels even, there are no gradations, it's all completely unified. And so it doesn't really matter whether you're coming from a scientific pathway or a religious pathway, it's all talking about the same experience. And there's no judgment, there's no judgment in this unified field. Another way it's talked about is the Holy Spirit's perception of the world, or you imagine if you have a higher self, it's the higher self's perception of the world, is what this unified consciousness. I particularly like the, the words, happy dream. 
And the reason it's happy is not because of anything specific. It's it's happy because it's it doesn't have any judgment in it. Judgment is what brings guilt and pain and suffering. It's not even that we have to learn to stop judging, it's that we have to realize that we never judged in the first place. It was a mistake to think that we had the power to judge. And that's why Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. By attempting to judge, you're putting something on your consciousness that is not natural. You're fragmenting consciousness into bits and pieces. You could call those little bits and pieces human beings, each one having their own little speck of consciousness, but that's still fragmented. Even if you talk about seven billion consciousnesses, then if you want to include the animals, it goes higher. If you include the, the, what are those sound we're hearing? They're called rainbirds. Rain they're actually insects, but they're, they're nicknamed rainbirds because they come after there's been a period of rain, and you're all here in the sunshine, but about a week and a half ago, there was like six or seven days of storm and rain, and the rainbirds seemed to come. Just messing with you. That's, that's false cause and effect. <laughs> I was just seeing if anybody would buy that story. <laughs> because the other characteristic of fragmented consciousness is a crazy belief in cause and effect. But not in the real cause and effect. God is the cause, and the Christ idea is the effect. That's how it works in true spirituality. I and the Father are one, you know, as above, so below. It's all talking about heaven. It's talking about Christ idea and, and God. But in fragmented consciousness, cause and effect are split off as if they're different. And furthermore, one seems to come before the other. The cause in split consciousness seems to come first, and the effect comes second. And if you'll notice, everything that seems to produce stress is related to that one split of cause and effect. If you're concerned about time of being too late or too early, there's the timeline. Past, present, future. The past causes the present, which causes the future. That's commonly accepted. If you're concerned about sickness and things in the world that can make you sick, if you're concerned about survival and things in the world that are necessary for survival of the body, all those stresses and concerns can be traced back to a split in cause and effect. So the ego is the belief that the effect of God, Christ, can leave God's mind and come into a world apart from God, completely apart from God, and then be subject to egoic laws and belief, hunger, thirst, economic issues, scarcity, lack, you know, illness, death, all these kind of things are all coming from this belief that cause and effect can be separate. Now what we're going to do through the use of these sessions and movies this week is, is try to, to, to bring it 
back in your mind, to come back into alignment with the present moment, which is the gateway to remembering that cause and effect are one, and they cannot be separated. God and Christ are together, it's just a fact. And who we are is Christ, so that's why we are one with God. It wasn't just Jesus the man who was a special case, you could say, I and the Father are one. That's, that's our destiny, that's our inevitable awareness, remembrance, that I am one with God. And that's why A Course in Miracles has those workbook lessons. Let me remember, I am one with God. There is no loves but God's. You know, it comes, I am as God created me. He's going to say it in many different ways, but he's just saying, come back into a remembrance. Now, when we talk about issues, the issues that come up and go through your mind, and maybe you choose to even talk about them in expression sessions, those issues are all based on this cause-effect split, which isn't real. This belief that cause and effect are apart, cause is first, effect is second, it's fiction. If it w we could say that this whole world, all of history is a, f is a novel and it's a fiction novel. It doesn't have any fact to it. It's all fiction. And the movies we're going to show you are going to help you start to have an experience that, that your mind doesn't have to hold on to all these cause-effect beliefs, because there's going to be stress and guilt with these cause-effect beliefs. The escape from this false belief system will bring freedom and happiness and joy. And I'm going to use a word that I like to talk about, and I've given a lot of talks over the years on this, but the word that I'm going to use is that, that this world is, in its entirety, a hypothetical. So when I use the word hypothetical, that means it's just a, it's a projected or a generated idea of a scenario. And that hypothetical idea is, always have some kind of condition that must precede it. So this, when we talk about hypotheticals like, for example, hypothetically speaking, we are taking a boat ride <laughs> this afternoon in the evening for three hours. That's hypothetical because it's in the future. We don't know, the, these uh, insects could take over the place. Uh, a, a giant storm could come up <laughs> that is very unusual for this thing. There's, there could be a number of factors, but it's a hypothetical because it's in the future. We're thinking of going on a boat ride. It's, it's a generated thought. And it's sneaky when these thoughts are shared, when you have like 20 or 25, 30 people all sharing a boat ride, or maybe sharing an idea like a, a picnic on a sunny day. You know how that happens when you start, the clouds start to roll in and then you start to go, uh-oh, our picnic, because the hypothetical is threatened. But all thoughts of the past and the future are hypotheticals. This entire world and this entire cosmos itself is a hypothetical because it's only 
able to be perceived because of the belief in split cause and effect. God can't perceive this world because God is one. Oneness cannot look upon split. Oneness doesn't even know of split. So this is a fictitious world of hypotheticals. And what is the condition that precedes all these hypothetical thoughts of past and future is the belief that the separation from God actually occurred. That it's possible to separate from God. So this whole world is an as-if world. Just like when we read fairy tales and people say, well, they're fairy tales. You know, the, the parent says to the child, this is just a fairy tale. Mom, what's a fairy tale? Well, it's not really real. It's just a story. And then later on the parent will say, now this world, this, this is real. These, these flowers are real. <laughs> they have to touch them first to see if the flowers are real. Just smell them, touch them. But what we're learning from the Holy Spirit is that a, when a mind is asleep and dreaming and it's forgotten God, it's forgotten the only thing that it can ever know, which is God in heaven. And it's, it's finding itself in a hypothetical, fictitious world where there seems to be actions and reactions, behaviors and then reactions to those behaviors. Whether you're cooking in the kitchen and you know you have to cook something for so long and at such level of heat. Whether it's uh, relationships, the way relationships are talked about. When did it begin? How's it going? When did it end? When will it end? You know, that's an interesting hypothetical. The whole world, it's like a fish that's swimming in a hypothetical sea and doesn't know it's hypothetical. It thinks, it doesn't even think it's water probably because it's so <laughs> much natural part of what it is. It doesn't even think, I am the fish, I am in the water. That's the humans <laughs> think that way. I'm in the water, I'm out of the water. I'm in the air, I'm breathing, I'm out of air. <laughs> this is not good. You know, everything's broken into parts. And what I want to do is just, that just gives us the framework for whenever we're upset, we're never upset for the reason we think. We're actually upset because we're so addicted and obsessed with fiction and fantasy that we don't have contact with reality. But the Course, Twelve Steps, all the great spiritual traditions say you have to know who you are and you, the whole point is to know God. When you know God, you know everything that's important. And when you don't know God, it's going to be uh, difficult. Because you're trying to pretend to be something that you're not. You weren't created to be a flesh creature, you were created to be an eternal being. A perfect idea in the mind of God. Now what struck me a few days ago, I was, I've recorded the course and, and all the lessons, uh, and I was listening to the file of chapter 18, and uh, the first section was talking about the substitute reality, which was attempting to put illusions in the place of truth. That's the first and the only substitution that the ego is. It's an attempt to put illusions in the place of truth. Like if you had an altar, a sacred altar, it was only shining light, and then you tried to put some darkness 
a dark thought onto that bright altar, that would be trying to substitute illusions for truth. The altar is only meant for light, and if you try to bring darkness on there, it's, it's like, like the fall from grace. It's like uh, forgetting who you are, forgetting the only thing you could ever know, which was God, and now getting caught up into a realm of fantasy. But when I was reading the second section in chapter 18, the basis of the dream, I just was amazed. I First of all, I listened to that section and I thought, this is a sermon, this is a discourse on the topic of dreaming. And what Jesus was saying is that all your time is spent in dreaming. Your nighttime dreams are no different than your daytime dreams. And your nighttime dreams are perceptual temper tantrums where you say, I wanted thus, like a little two-year-old. It's like, you know how when their bodies get real stiff, if you're trying to dress them or help them in the bathroom or something, and that no, sometimes the no comes out, no! And sometimes they don't even say the word, their bodies just get really stiff. I will resist mom, I will resist dad with all my strength. <laughs> you will not tell me what to do, you will not make me do this. Jesus says our nighttime dreams are temper tantrums, where you try to make reality the way you want it. That's why some of us know with our nighttime dreams we can, strange things happen, you know. And there must be some kind of a wild child in there, if we're generating those nighttime dreams. Uh, some kind of a wild child that, that really wants it to be a certain way. Because, I don't know about you, but I sometimes can recognize some of the people, but things happen with their eyes, or I do things with their hair, or I, I, I make them, put them in difficult situations, or whatever. Because it's a tantrum, it's a tantrum where the ego is wanting to be real, and it's wanting to make a world that's, that suits it. And that's why sometimes they can be quite wonderful, like flying dreams, or there can be loving dreams, but, but it's usually it's pretty much of a mix with our dreams. If, we, if you can remember your dreams, you usually know there's quite a mix in there. So it's good to know that the motive for nighttime dreams is to is like a tantrum to say, I want reality to be this way. And then, in the daytime dreams, what we call everyday life, where we have saws running and, <laughs> and animals and plants and people and everything, and what we call our daily life, it's also a dream, but there seems to be a little more rigidity in terms of the, the structure. In other words, we, we, we may have a flying dream at night, but we typically don't see, unless we're watching Superman or Supergirl or something in a movie, during the daytime it's very odd to see flying human beings. If we did, we'd be, look at that. Did you see that? Forget, drop what you're doing, come over here and see that, you know, because it would be so unusual. There's certain rigidity, there's certain structures and patterns. And everywhere on earth we have political systems, we have ecosystems, we, we have things that we could call the laws of nature, 
We could call the laws of physics, Newtonian physics. But we measure them and we're a little more stabilized during those daytime dreams because we've made up a lot of rules that apply in the daytime dreams. And when something is out of pattern, everyone takes notice. Like, what's going on with you? Why aren't you following the rules? Everybody has to follow the rules. But what's so fascinating is Jesus says, you have one component of your daytime, day life, that you use to still prove that you are going to make the world up just the way you want it. And that's called special relationships. He's saying that's your one tool, your one dynamic in the daytime dreams that you use. And he says, it's not to worry because the Holy Spirit is an expert at using what you made up to convince you that you're more than you made up. So, the Holy Spirit is not down on special relationships. Uh, there's a movie uh, that we have where there's a line in it called, uh, we're fine with fake, just don't lie about it. That's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit would say to you about special relationships. We're fine with fake, just don't lie about it. In other words, just don't hide it, just don't protect it, because the Holy Spirit is going to need to work with the mind and use it in a way that will take you higher and higher in consciousness. So, like no bad, just can you give it over and let me use it for the higher purposes to wake you up from the dream. And that's what we're dealing with with quantum physics. We're dealing with, we're not trying to deny the perception of the world. I know there have been some non-dualistic traditions and, and you know, they, everybody always has their metaphysical jokes, uh, like the, the Zen Buddhist who goes to the hot dog vendor and says, make me one with everything. Well, uh, even in this world, there are sometimes teachers that get a little wacky and they'll be having a big non-dual discussion and they'll say, I'm not here and you're not here and we're not having this conversation. And to try to stop an argument. Uh, and you may stop the words, but usually there's not a friendly, <laughs> cordial parting after I'm not here, you're not here, and we're not having this conversation. If you're married, that's usually divorce words like, oh, okay, we're going into denial now, all right. Well, there's plenty of fish in the sea, and I don't need to go into the denial mode here. Involving the relationship, I need I need some reflections. I want to come to some honesty and consistency here. So what we're finding is the the thing that you can count on in coming to a clearer mind is is what Jesus says: the one right use of judgment is how do I feel? Because I have to use my feelings as my barometer to get in touch with which voice I'm following. And if I'm not feeling peaceful, light, happy, joyful, then I might be listening to this imposter voice called ego. In fact, Jesus would say, might is not the word. You are <laughs> listening 
to the imposter voice if you're not experiencing that peace, lightness, joy, and happiness. So that's going to be our discernment. And even when we watch movies, you know, those are more hypotheticals. That's what movies are. They're just more stories, more hypotheticals. But we pay more attention to how do I feel? When are my emotions up? What is this movie helping me see in my own mind, in my own consciousness? I'm not so interested in labeling the movie as a, a, a chase movie or a, a happy movie or a dark movie. I want to look at the emotions that arise in my awareness while I'm watching the movie, just like I want to watch the emotions that arrive in my relationships, in my environment, with my sounds and my sights and smells, the things that I can feel and touch. What, what is going on? Because we have to come to an emotional consistency or an emotional honesty. Jesus also tells us, though, that within the realm of perception, you will never reach a state of like true consistency, because perception was made by the ego. And even when it's purified and given it over to the Holy Spirit, you can come to more and more consistent peace and more consistent happiness and joy. But I say more or less because there's still, it's still a relative stage. It's still a relative stage. So you're not going for supreme happiness with perception. You're going for forgiveness. You want things to become stabilized and become more consistent, but ultimately you will have to let go of perception in order to experience constancy. In order to experience true consistency, you must return to the awareness of, of God. You must realize who you are and be one with God. That's where the constancy comes in. So it's good, it helps us, it gives us a barometer, so we're not going to try to search for perfect consistency in perception, because the realm of perception, again, is the domain of the ego. And you're not going to find perfect anything in the, in the ego. The ego was made as a veil to cover over the Christ. The thing that I found so fascinating was that Jesus said, even though the Holy Spirit wants to use your special relationships that, that the ego has made, that you fight to hold on to the specialness because you are afraid of waking. You are afraid of heaven. You're afraid of love. That's why it, people have said, if I was created by God, I would like to just snap my fingers <laughs> and in an instant wake up. And why does it seem to take time? Why is there struggle? Why is there vacillations and back and forth? If God created me perfect, why is it so difficult? And Jesus is saying, well, to believe you're in perception is to believe in the ego, which is a death wish. And then to make special relationships is another defense. In fact, the Course says when God just created pure love and eternity, when the ego seemed to arise, the, the Holy Spirit was given as an answer or a correction for the separation. And then the ego countered, it's like a poker game, like, oh yeah? 
You're answering with this. I'll see you, and I'll, I'll invent special relationships, <laughs> and I'll see your Holy Spirit <laughs> chip, and I'm going to put special relationships in there as a way to distract me from awakening rapidly and get all caught up into guilt and special relationships, which are perpetuating linear time, perpetuating this cause-effect split. And so Jesus is saying, you're afraid to give up your special relationships because you're afraid of what comes next. Like, if I don't have them, they're my substitutes for love. If I don't have them, then what am I going to have? Nothing when I go back to heaven. And to the ego, that's the way it looks. Like, heaven is all oneness and no body, no thing. So, this means that we need to really look closely at giving special relationships over to the Holy Spirit. To me, this is what our, our whole gathering is about. We're all here to be a part of the dance, the dance of Spirit. We're all here to let the Spirit use what the ego made in a way where we can flow together in a harmonious way, where we're not trying to make anybody right or wrong, we're not trying to judge anybody as good, bad, ahead, behind. We're here to experience that dance. And it's a glorious dance. It's, it's also a very practical dance. It's the most practical thing you can give your mind over to, is to experience that dance. They always talk about the movie uh, Lord, Lord of the Rings, but I, I always think about, uh, what's his name, Michael Flatley, the one from Ireland, the Lord of the Dance. You ever see those, those amazing, where they're all in synchronicity and they're all dancing together, all these hundreds of dancers, all in sync. And this Michael Flatley is kind of the one who leads them, and he, I've seen videos called Lord of the Dance. Well, we want to be in touch with the Holy Spirit, who is Lord of the Dance. Just be able to practically live that way. And while we're here, and while we're experiencing this, when upsets come up, when challenges come up, when difficulties, judgments come up, those are our opportunities to release and to join in the dance again. Like the dance is just going on. The quantum field, the happy dream, it's going on, it's always going on, but we can be aware of it or not. When we judge, when we try to have control, we're really saying, I'm afraid of waking up. And if I'm afraid of waking up, then I'm afraid of letting the Holy Spirit be the Lord of the dance. It's more like the ego saying, I'll do my own dance. I'll, do, I'll decide what that dance is. If it's a fast dance or a slow dance. <laughs> Our last boat trip we took, when was that, February, I think? Um, we got out there and we had the the Mexican DJs, and then Ken was DJing, and and we had like songs around us with uh, videos going, people singing Sinatra songs and Tony Bennett songs. I mean, I thought, well, we're covering every era. We're back, <laughs> Tony Bennett and Sinatra, and then a lot of the electric kind of stuff and the real modern stuff. We just in three hours we covered a lot of dance uh, out on that boat. We're just out on the boat with a lot of food and dancing all over the place. But 
Deanna, who's part of our group, came up to me and she says, I want to slow dance. This is all too fast. I want to slow dance. And I said, well, go, we get a translator, go up there, ask the Mexicans, DJs, ask Ken if he's got any slow dance music. We did not have slow dance music on the boat. She was like, she just wanted to have, get out on the dance floor and we could just go and slow dance with each other. You know, out there, the boat's go, cruising along and so I don't know. I'm not in charge of the music this time, but I have heard there's a, quite a new variety that's, that's coming in for this after that last one. Uh, but the thing about it is it's the control. When, when the Holy Spirit is the Lord of the dance, it's just, it's just this flow that's the most amazing, miraculous flow. And, you know, when you felt that connection with, with your source, when everything seems to be is in perfect flow, then that's, that's what you're entitled to. That's, that's the goal of perception, is to come to that dance where the Holy Spirit is the Lord of the dance. That's the Holy Spirit using the special relationships. As long as there still seems to be a form there that has a specific size and shape and weight, as long as you're identified with the human being in any way, let's just call that what it is. It's a special relationship. God created spirit, and we're talking about a, a human form in time and space. That Human beings, by their very invention, are special relationships. But remember, we're fine with fake. <laughs> Holy Spirit and Jesus, like, all these different bodies. We're fine with fake. Just don't lie about it. Just don't hide and protect that identity. Open that false identity to the light and let the darkness be shined away in the light. That's what we're learning to do. We're learning to open, be open and transparent. We're learning to not hide and protect the body identity. We're saying, use it for the dance. And it's interesting that we have a dance party <laughs> coming today on the first, this is the first full day and we're starting off with <laughs> a session and a dance party today and out on the open seas. Maybe not open. <laughs> That's right. Five, six, maybe we can do a, instead of a two-stepping, we can, we'll get a whole, we'll do a line dance like they do in countries. Five, six, seven, eight, five, six, seven, eight. You know, just get there and flow with it. Because the, the Holy Spirit's use of special relationships is to undo guilt, undo that feeling of awkwardness or embarrassment or shame, undo that sense of wrongness, like, like, no theology is helpful where it just focuses on wrongness. Some of you may have even grown up in religions. Um, you were talking, Laura was talking about Catholic, her mother being Catholic, but perhaps even the religion that you were raised in had an emphasis on original sin. You know, strange. It's very, very strange to have an entire religion based on a core of original sin. Because if that's the focal point, then you could use that for control. You know, here's the innocent ones, we'll call them priests, <laughs> and you have to confess your sins to the priest, and then you'll be absolved. And 
yet the what's the best of the priest? What's the best of the priest? Is it no the the bishops, no cardinals, the pope? I actually I'm we have a pretty wonderful pope right now because the stuff that comes out of his mouth wipes away decades of Catholic teaching. You give him a couple days and they're well, hell's not real. What? <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> you imagine that. The whole of the, all Catholicism and they're like the Pope's the top one and he said, hell actually isn't real. And then um, the metaphysics aren't always perfect coming out. I mean, last week, I think it was, or several days ago, I saw that the Pope met a gay man and said, God made you this way. What's well, a step, but, you know, remember, everything in form is special. God didn't make heterosexual or gay. God is, creates his spirit. So God, he could have said, God created you perfect. Or God created you as perfect love or perfect innocence. That would have been a little more metaphysically correct. But, considering that the whole tradition has been that being gay is a sin, let's give him some credit. He was leaning... <laughs> He said, God made you this way. He was, he was pointing to another world. Beyond this world is a world I want, where we're not judging anybody for sexual orientation. We're not judging anybody for their actions. You have to go through and you have to realize that when you work with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants you to be practical. So the Holy Spirit may indeed offer you guidance and instruction I want you to do this. I want you to look at this. You know, those guidances can come. Uh, a woman just wrote to me this morning who's been watching my YouTube videos, but she's, I think, more from the Buddhist background, but she's kind of got herself in, a, in, a, in her mind, in a bind, because she was talking about evil spirits, and, and when she was just ready to get married, these spirits came and say, don't get married and don't have children, and she said, of course I, I didn't listen to these hateful messages, but she went ahead, she got married, and her and the baby have had all kinds of complications, have gone to the hospital many times, and now when they come back there seems to be spirits that are always there. And so she wrote me a very long email just this morning about what do I do, I'm in a situation with all of these evil spirits around me, and it was quite long and detailed, but ultimately if you roll it back, we come back to there's a part of our mind that's connected to the Holy Spirit, that's where the guidance comes in, and then the ego is the part that wants us to live in this fiction, wants to maintain this false sense of a separate self. And we always are taking advice every moment from one or other of these presences in our mind. The ego is error, so everything that comes from it is going to be erroneous and unhelpful. And the Holy Spirit is our pathway back to remembrance of God. So everything that comes from the Holy Spirit is helpful. It's not like the Holy Spirit is ever wrong. And it's not like the ego is ever right. <laughs> The ego believes it's always right, and it would rather be right than happy. But it doesn't know what happiness is. It's a death wish. So that's why hopefully we can, through the one-on-ones and through the expression sessions and the time we have together, 
you can expose what's still inside of you, what's still bothering you, what still seems down there, this unresolved. Because as long as it's pushed down and out of awareness, then it will just dictate this world to you. It will just dictate a lot of fear. Your mind will be caught up in regrets from the past and hypothetical worries of the future. And neither the regrets of the past nor the worries of the future are the calm, clear, present moment. The presence of love is always here with us right now. It's just been covered over by these concerns and worries. A lot of them have to do with um, survival, too. We have to start thinking quantum. We have to start realizing the power of our thought and that our thoughts generate the world that we see. And if we have fearful thoughts, they will generate fearful scenarios, really fearful interpretations of the world. Whereas if Jesus was right there with us in the same seeming situation, he would be rubbing our shoulder going, I'm with you, I'm with you, it's okay. There's no danger here, I am here. That presence is always with us in great love, saying, I am here. There isn't a problem. I'm here with you right now. It's, it's very strong. It's reminding us that we're safe. So that's the context for our weekend. And do we have a roving mic? I'd like to just hear what everybody has on their mind. And I did, Lisa briefed me a bit on the, your expression session, so I'm aware of the, the thoughts and the issues that came up and the hypotheticals and, yeah. So you, um, in the beginning, you talked about some metaphysical stuff. The, uh, Unity Consciousness. <laughs> the question is, is the revelation that the Course talks about, is it in the domain of consciousness? Is it the same as Unity Consciousness, or is that reality? That's, revelation is a glimpse of reality. It's. It's not a reality itself because revelation seems to have a beginning and an end. It's a it's a like a flash, but it's a flash of of reality. So it's it literally pierces the veil of perception. It's a non-perceptual experience, and that's why those that have revelations have great difficulty speaking about that because it's literally unspeakable. You could try to speak of it to another human being. But humans are all in the realm of perception, and revelation is, is not. It's like a, a piercing of the veil. But it, I, I missed, is, is the experience like actual reality? Yeah, it is. It's almost like how the present moment is the gateway to eternity. But once you go through that, that gateway, once you drop into the present moment, that's what we call the holy instant. You are... In reality, you experience reality exactly as it is right now. 
And all only difference between revelation and reality would be that that, that glimpse has seems to have a beginning and an end. So when you have a vision, a, a brilliant vision of light or a revelatory experience, or Jesus calls it the great rays, he capitalizes those words, great rays, you have an actual experience of reality and it has no bearing on the world of perception except that you have this feeling in you like, I knew it wasn't real, like a Truman Show <laughs> experience. I knew it. I knew it. When I, I've had three revelatory experiences. When I went into those experiences, when I came back, there was some a bit of fear, like re-entering re the perceptual realm. And there was also this strong feeling like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. You know, that, that this wasn't real. It, it was beyond the words that the w world isn't real. It was an experience like, aha, now I know. And that just strengthened me to become even more devoted to the Holy Spirit. More, how can I bless the whole planet? How can I shine this light? How can I share this light? How can I use anything of the world, technology, words, you know, art, um, anything that this world seems to have that the ego made, how can I use that for the purpose of returning and, and fully experiencing that revelation? Because in the state of revelation it's clear there's absolutely only one of us, one spirit, and this idea of people and and even like the you know the, the hundredth monkey or or reaching a state where enough people believe something all those were just ideas those they didn't have any reality either it was just an absolute experience of of god and love and oneness perfectly still no questions the, there was not even the thought of a question in that state of mind cuz there's there's no questioner the ego is the questioner but there's no questions in in that, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Lane. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So it's interesting because I think up until the beginning of this talk, there's been this spark that's been fairly consistent in my awareness of like just joy and the reflection I got like even at the expression session today was like, oh, we're, we're actually all in this together and I can be okay like just just sharing what I am feeling without trying to like make it sound good or or not good. And then at the beginning of the talk, for some reason, it's just closed down. And um, it's immediately like, Oh, I lost it. The uh, the spark, and it just kind of felt like I was 
rattling around trying to trying to find the light again and and not really being able to make that choice of of like seeing the whole thing differently and i, th I think i'm still sort of in there or in that experience like where did it go and that's actually kind of terrifying <laughs> like what did like so then the thoughts are like what did i do to make it go and um how can i get it back and like what so so tied to unworthiness there i guess like do i actually deserve this can i Like I'm gonna be here for a month. I'm not. I'm not wanting to mess around. <laughs> um, is it okay for me to be here for a month? Like, am I? If I'm not going to have this spark with me, if I can't choose this, when it gets a little bit rattly, like, what am I actually doing here? Um. Yeah, just like scared of that. Well, <laughs> this is great. This is great. You're bringing up very what's very common for people here at the gathering, also for people that are just devoted to God, seemingly in a spiritual community. This this comes up. I mean, if they wake up and or at some point during the day, it's like, oh, I lost my spark. Then it can be like this wrestling match, like, like I got to get it back. I got to get it back. Mm -hmm. People are counting on me. <laughs> you know, I, I, can't, I can't fake it till I make it. If this spark is not there, that is not good. And then the pressure starts to build. What did I do to make it go away? What can I do to get it back? And I think one way we can come at this is to say, Let's just take a look at what is the source of the spark. And the source of the spark has to be God. You know, if we take it all the way back to the source of the spark has to be God. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, but God is so, it's just so vast. So if we can bring it down, what would be the source of the spark that seems to relate to me as a human being in this world? What in the course would would be like the key to hone into, to to be in the experience of that spark? And I would say it's the holy instant. And what is the holy instant but right now? So if I seem to lose awareness of my spark, it must be maybe even unconsciously, maybe even unconsciously, there must be, it could be a belief or a distraction or something from the past or the future that's still pretty important, more important than the holy instant, more important than right now. And it's maybe it's buried under the surface, because most people are clearly aware that they're not fully aware of all their thoughts and beliefs. They're just aware of what's just going on on the surface. So let's talk about the holy instant a little bit. The thing about the holy instant is it's so extremely simple that it can only seem to be lost or covered over in some 
sense of complexity that is not recognized. Because it's so absolutely simple. So, there can be a belief sometimes that you have to work hard to get ready for it. But that's not true. If it's so simple, right here and right now, it can't mean that we actually have to work hard to get ready for it. Maybe there's a belief that you have to prepare for it. If it's holy, if it's holy and it's from God, maybe, uh, maybe I have to prepare for it. No, you don't even have to prepare for it. In fact, Jesus says in the Course that you cannot prepare for it without placing it in the future. You get, see that how subtle that is? As soon as you try to prepare for the holy instant, you've pushed it off into the future. And it's not it, because it's just now. It's so simple, so simple. It's like on the bottom of your nose and you're like going, where is it? I'm going to find it. I'm a spiritual seeker. I'm devoting my life to this now. And I'm going to find it. And it's escaped me for the moment, but I know I'm going to find it, you know. And it's like, like right under your nose as you're glancing all over frantically like a squirrel. You know, where is it? And the other thing is, is that you, you don't have to clear away guilt to experience it. You don't have to clear away guilt to experience it. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to clear away the guilt. But you see how when you take that responsibility on yourself as a person, how frustrating it gets. It's gone and I don't know where it went. Oh my gosh, I've got too much guilt to experience the holy instant and know God's love. And I'm going to have to work at it. And this is where the personal responsibility and the guilt comes in as a veil of complexity to cover over the extreme simplicity of right now, of this moment. The ego always has complicated systems to try to make the very simple obscure. It wants to make the most extremely simple complex because it has to rely on all these tricks, mind tricks, to guard against the holy instant. Because if you start desiring the holy instant, you start desiring and you start to say, I want the holy instant above all else, the ego is frightened by that. Because the ego's days are numbered. When your mind, a powerful mind, the creation of God, wants that holiness and realize that the holy instant is the, is the means, is the gateway to that eternal thing. You can save yourself thousands and thousands of years of learning and you save the whole planet thousands of years. But you realize you have to have the willingness, just the willingness for it. And your part is only the willingness you're not to figure out how to do this. So Holy Spirit is going to do it, but just to offer that willingness. Now to the mind that is caught up in the ego, 
it wants to get busy, it wants to get distracted onto so many things. I'm gonna, it's almost like there's some kind of a version running out, I'm gonna be a good little boy, a good little girl for God. I think that's in one of Ricky's song, songs. I've been a good, a good girl for God. And there's programming that, that's, that's like we have to go through all these rituals and we have to do all this work to make the altar clean, to become ready. You know, it's not human beings that purify the altar. It's just the willingness to let the Holy Spirit purify the altar that works. And even if you go through the Course in Miracles workbook, you go through 360 lessons and he leaves you with five lessons at the very end of the workbook exercises. This holy instant would I give to you. you. You say to the Holy Spirit, be you in charge. In other words, I'm going to be willing, but I'm just going to drop it. I'm going to drop these hypotheticals. I'm going to drop these concerns and worries. And I'm just going to devote my willingness to coming to you with open arms, with open hands and open arms. And I'm not going to try to, to think that I know what's necessary to reach the holy instant. If I knew what was necessary to reach the holy instant, would I even be experiencing perception at all? If I already knew, it must mean that I believed that I had to make the way to God clear. And that's the frustrating part. That's like another version of, I've got to get the spark back. I've, I personally have to make the way to God clear. God has reached through humbleness. I mean, if you look at the lives of the mystics and saints, the ones that were really lit up, you know, they walked around with these big smiles on their faces and these glowy eyes. Oh, those were the humble ones. You don't see those, those going around telling people what to do, cursing the world, saying, oh, woe is me, the world should be different. They're just like almost barely walking on the earth because, because they're so humble. They're in that state of willingness for the holy instant. They're present. And that's why Mighty Companions are important, because as you start to go towards an open to the holy instant, you're going to have to let go of this idea, what do people think? Am I still earning my way here? Am I still enough? Am I still doing enough or being enough? You're going to have to let go of those thoughts, because they're just blocks to the holy instant, just those thoughts. And then with your mighty companions, we talk about witnesses opening up to the witnesses of loved. Even when you seem to be going through some shadow thoughts, some dark thoughts, that they're there to just love you and hug you, to bring you tissues, to, <laughs> to hold you. I remember I was at a, I think it was a, a so, an event called Forgiveness Week, and uh, this woman was going to do a talk on the Matrix, and she wanted me to do do it with her. And I was all set the night before the next day to do this collaborative talk on the Matrix, but a dear friend of mine, 
she just went into fear and paralysis and her whole body just stiffened up and she just got so frightened. So I remember just sitting all during the day, I was supposed to go make this presentation, just lying there and holding her for a whole day, just holding her so she could come through the fear. Letting go of the talk of the matrix and whatever, that it, it's all, it'll all happen fine without David there. Just getting in there, just holding her, just so she could come back and feel the love. But that's why we have to follow the Holy Spirit. What's the most helpful use of time and space? Not for a human being to decide, to let the Holy Spirit. So I hope that helps, Zach, in, in the sense that it's, you see how simple it is. You have to roll it back a little bit and start to say, hmm, if, if I'm starting to feel concerned, like, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be here for 30 days? Or, I liked my spark, but, ah, yipes, I don't like how it feels without the spark. You, you can see, it's easy to kind of get locked in and start to feel some pressure, because it's as if you personally, Zach, have got to have a key, or got to figure something out, and that, that itself is a self-concept, that's, that's holding on to an image. Yeah. Can I follow up on that? Okay. Sure, sure. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think I got into that because there was the guidance while you were talking, like... It feels like I've lost it. Express it now. But I can't do that. Like, I don't know. You were you were doing your thing. It, oh, don't ever know. feel worry about interrupting me. I don't even believe in interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's just sort of a journey in like being okay with Whatever it is. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. And now I think you even have more, you can have more confidence to just express, because, you know, that's the way it works. We don't, we don't have talks or sermons or lectures. It's just we're here together, like you felt, in an interaction together. Right. And there are no interruptions, and there's no thought of who should be speaking and who shouldn't. And there are no, no small upsets, so if you started to feel, huh, I feel closed down or shut off, then that's the kind of relationship, that's the kind of holy relationship that we're cultivating. Because it, our, our state of mind is too important to be caught off guard by sentimentalities or conventions or rituals, you know. Right. How yeah. many of us have gone to something where we just feel like, you know, I just need, I need something else. I, I went to a, a, uh, a spiritual community many, many, many years ago, but as soon as I was there, I just felt this urge to just go off in the woods in the Appalachian Mountains and just sit there by myself. And then I did. I went up there and I was sitting up in the woods and the ego was having a riot in there. You came here for this conference, you're missing out on things, how dare you, you can go sit in the woods anytime, not during the conference, you know, it was just ranting and everything, but I actually went up and just sat in the woods and, and went, got more and more still, got more into the holy instant, 
from that. And, and so we have to have the, the spunk to really follow those inner prompts when they come. Even though the ego may throw in a barrage of, you know, interference and guilt, uh, when we feel a strong prompt, we, we really need to follow that. And, and then we feel great, and then we think, I'm going to keep following <laughs> that because it feels so great. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Hi, David. So, my, I was prompted uh, this morning and now too. I have the strangest experience when I leave home, and I, I'm frustrated with it. So at the San Francisco conference, I went and had a room to myself, and Fairfax and Marin and parts of San Francisco are notorious for marijuana. And there's no smoking in this hotel, but surely outside my room, it wafts in, and so I lose hours of sleep. And with that tight construct of a couple of days, I had major naps and missed two big chunks of the conference. And I was furious with myself, but also just kind of went numb over it because I couldn't really be that furious. I haven't been furious for years, but I was feeling like, what happened? Like when it was over, I felt like I kind of missed it, but I wasn't too upset that I missed it. But here, <laughs> I, this is more my, what I would really rather do than a conference like that any day. And last night, my body staged a coup. The environment staged a coup. The, the heat, the bug spray, the sounds of dogs barking, the sheet that suddenly was scratchy, the mind, uh, the sounds of people breathing in the room, everything was alive and in my head. And so finally, after wrestling for about an hour, I came downstairs and I found a little place to lie down. And well, that was suddenly scratchy too. So I grabbed pillows, you know, everything, nothing was working. And I think that by the time, it was about 3.30 when I just thought, well, I'll just go back and try it again, get in the bed, got a fan. Anyway, long story short, I fell back asleep, missed the meditation this morning. Gratefully, I slept. But I'm pretty sure that there's going to come a point this afternoon where I'm going to just need to collapse. And I don't want to miss it. And the, here's, the, here's the question or the please help. Um, I didn't lie there with any thoughts. I wasn't perseverating on any issues. I was like a numb, you know, sack of blood for the mosquito sounds that kept coming at me and biting me as well. <laughs> so I'm just picturing myself, what is this? So, you know, hearing you talk about dreaming, I, I was thinking, I was resisting sleep. Maybe I could look at it that way, but... It seems to me the biggest curse for me is body. And maybe you could speak a little to that in the... It's really difficult to let go of... It's easier to let go of issues with relationship. Like there's a resolution in, in my mind that I can come to. But not with this constant companion that gets in my, in my way, seemingly, of enjoying the experience. Yeah. When you... 
when you really start to desire God and you you just say, okay, God, I'm coming. I'm I'm going to devote my mind, energy, my willingness. I'm going to I'm going to devote it to that. Then anything that has been a block or that's been blocking that from awareness will get flushed up. It's almost like that's that's how the cleansing and the purifying occurs, and it's very common for it to the revolt, the inner revolt, the coup of the ego to get projected onto the body in the world. Oh, it will find enormous amounts of evidence of discomforts, even irritations, annoyances, or just pain, rage, you know, it will, the whole gamut, it's just, it is almost like, oh no, 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 not so fast. You're not just slipping out of here into eternity without me putting up a fight. And when I've gone through that, you know, I just remember this gentle presence of love inside me that would always be saying, take it easy, David, take it easy here. Don't, don't push it, don't force it. You know, it would literally be like you navigating a night. Like, and a lot of us know how that is. We st ego starts to come up and it's like, oh, this is still so unrestful, so uncomfortable, almost like we can't stand to be in skin. You know, even the belief that we're in skin, it just starts to feel terrible, like we're taking the whole weight of the whole world on as we're going on this journey, and, and that's how it seems. But, but to realize that that's the time of prayer, that's the time of, of, of opening and communing and just being opened, even if something as simple as coming down to rest down here, that can be, there can be these little helpful little steps that we have. I've been to retreats before where I'm up all bright and bright-eyed at two, three in the morning, and I'm just like, mm, letting go of my beliefs of sleep, of how much sleep I need, and what I should be doing at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> instead of being bright-eyed. But sometimes I've gone down and I'll, at retreats or gatherings over the years, I would meet somebody and have a holy encounter. They couldn't sleep either. And I'd say, oh, that worked out well. It starts off as a problem and then, oh, that was nice, that worked out well. You see, or I would be awakened at 2, 3 in the morning and I would just be like, really, really, this time? Is this really the time? And then I would hear Jesus say, yep, I want you to write an email. and turn on your computer. So I learned to really let go of the time of the day. Jesus wants to write an email at three o'clock in the morning. Okay, that's beautiful. I mean, I, I, I want to be of service. You see, you get more into that. I want to serve the divine will instead of hold on to these beliefs of what I need as a person. And that's, it is a process of of opening up and letting go. Also, it can be a process of of speaking up, like in the in the case of like uh, that conference, you know, if you're in a hotel and you've paid for two or three nights of sleep and it's a, a big hotel, the spirit might be saying, now we'll try a lesson in speaking up. You, we're gonna walk you right down to the the manager and say, listen, my room's smells of marijuana, and I, I'm all for medicinal marijuana, but I want to have a good night's sleep so I can hear the presentation. You know, there, there can be speak up 
uh, lessons. There's always a lesson there. Even Peace Pilgrim, who traveled around and lived so simply, just walking around the United States and Canada, occasionally she would find herself in a bus, bus uh, depot or a place where there were other people instead of just sleeping out under the stars, which she loved to do. But even then, she would be aware that there was somebody she was supposed to talk to at that bus depot. There was a purpose. There was a reason. There's a reason the Spirit is underneath everything. And nothing is lost, and nothing is wasted. And the more we come open with that, it, it, can, involve, it can bring up people-pleasing things. Like, you know, you may... You may have a night where you dis have discomfort and sleepless and this and this and this and and the spirit's like take a shower and it's like at three o'clock in the morning I'll wake people up I'll do this I'll do that should shower yes the people pleasing then kicks yeah, in and goes because someone showered the night before and and I and woke me up so I'm like oh no I don't dare do that <laughs> yeah. And that's why, even when we follow this journey, we have to realize that these people-pleasing things will come up too. We're wanting to tune into the divine guidance. Our purpose is not to upset people or disturb people, but it's a, it's a lesson and listen, follow. That's always what the lesson is. Like, when you get a prompt like that, like, what? At this hour? You know, we're we're very much into the ego's pattern of we've allowed it to make up a false identity for us and a false identity for everyone else. In fact, there's a, a point in A Course in Miracles where Jesus says, everyone makes an ego for himself and for everyone else. So it's like a, multipl a multiplying of this one ego. You, you, every person is projected out as having a separate ego. And then the ego says, you don't want to disturb those other egos, do you? They're not going to be happy with you. You see, you're, before you know it, you're there, you're getting bitten up, you're, you're aware of all your breathing, it's hot, you're, and you feel like you might as well be in a coffin, <laughs> buried in a coffin. How was your vacation in Mexico? I was, I was buried in a coffin, alive, <laughs> with someone on top of me that was making noise, with a, another coffin on top. Who is making noises? You see, to the ego, spiritual awakening is disastrous. You know, it's it's totally not in line with what the ego wants. And the ego disguises itself with all these wants and desires for things of the world. But if you really go down to the core, it's just a death wish. It doesn't want us to know our eternal life with God in heaven. It's just a death wish. So it's always going to project out all kinds of things. Remember the cause and effect thing. I and my body are at the mercy of the mosquitoes. All these things. And this, these are things we have to... I remember with Kirsten when we went down to, to Argentina um, the first time, she had a word for mosquitoes that, you know how in Australia, New Zealand, they make up slang words and mozzies. I, we would go out for a walk, and I'd be like enjoying the sun and the green and meeting all the people. She goes, mozzies, mozzies. You know, it was, it might as well have been alligators, you know, <laughs> alligators. 
lions and tigers and bears, oh my, mozzies, you know, it's like, so we go to a, a gathering and she's like looking around and she's, and then we were, we went to this gathering and she's, then we left the gathering and she had bites all over her arms and, and legs and then she looked at me and there wasn't a single bite. She said, now that's just not fair. That is just not even fair. And you see how the ego is always looking outside for the source of discomfort, external causes, and then comparing. That's another favorite ego tactic, you know, that's not fair, because it always wants to wind the mind into the grievance, tighter, more of a grievance. And the more discomfort and the more comparison it can load on, the more, the tighter the grievance. Really, the Holy Spirit is just wanting to take us out of this whole idea that we can be unfairly treated, or that anybody could be unfairly treated. I was watching there's something on social media. It was probably some weeks ago. Is this maybe you all know? Is it Ken, Kenya West? It was the, the the black man who came out and said slavery yeah. is a choice, and I was just like. Why, he's channeling Jesus now. Well, that did not go over big on social media. Everyone was like, everyone project on Kenya. Everyone project on the Kenya. Because he came out and said, slavery is a choice. But I am always listening to just the content of the ideas. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. Slavery is a choice. But that would mean there's... There's a way out of victimization, but victimization is, isn't just the norm. And so to me, that's what we have to do even with our discomforts that we experience. The ego is like saying, here we go, look at all these things that are happening to you and this is, it's in the environment and it's the body and it just tries to take as many things to build a strong case. And then, you know, as it says in the Course, the Holy Spirit dismisses the case. When it, no matter how tight the ego's case is, the Holy Spirit will always, will not even see the case, will dismiss the case. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit is dismissing all the false cause-effect cases of the ego. Because the Holy Spirit knows that the truth is true. The Holy Spirit knows that the mind is, is powerful and it's not at the mercy of anything. It is literally making the choice of what to feel. That's the the lines in the Course that just always swirl in my heart. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience. And I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. Hmm. No victimization in that. That's just the most beautiful, I think it's in the responsibility for sight section, where he's saying, yeah, you, you need to be responsible for your sight, for your perceptions, and more than that, for the vision of Christ. That's what this is all about, to see with the vision of Christ, and to uncover and expose anything that blocks the vision of Christ. Follow up, and then Laura is next. So then the the response would not have necessarily been I am gifted suddenly with sleep in spite of any condition. The response is let go of any 
any decision about what will serve the awakening in this moment? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I did see that Jennifer Lawrence movie. Everyone see that last year? It was called Passengers, where they're on this long journey. And I, I was enjoying watching it because, uh, you know, they were supposed to sleep for this big long journey. And then Chris Pratt plays the character who he gets awakened prematurely and then he's so lonely. He's so lonely and he starts looking at the different passengers along with him. They're all asleep and he sees, well, there's a cute one. You know, <laughs> I, would, I would like if I'm going to, so it's a long journey. Jennifer Lawrence and I, there we go. Now that could make it, that'll bide my time and everything. But, but when she finds out that she was awakened, not through some tremor or this or this, but it was that, that he awakened her prematurely, she was ready to kill him. The rage just came up. And you know, I have to stop from laughing in the theaters, but I was just sitting there inside just laughing so hard in, in my mind as I'm watching this movie. And I, I'm going, this sister has a serious sleep addiction. She's like really seriously attracted to sleeping. And she's raging because <laughs> she was awakened early, way early, years early. <laughs> Not just no night's sleep, <laughs> right? By someone who shouldn't be mess. We should all be sleeping too. So there was this. I, I was laughing on the inside. I said, "There's a strong sleep addiction here, and there must be a fear of awakening if there's that much of an attachment to sleep." And then I thought, well, this does relate to human beings because there are very strong preferences on how many hours sleep I need to be functioning for the day. I don't want to mess up my day by messing up my night. And you see these cause-effect relationships, they filter and they cover so many beliefs. And we just have to expose them and explore. And of course with Kirsten that was a thing too. She seemed to have brain damage and a head injury. So she had very strong beliefs when I first met her about when she had to sleep, how many hours, how deep the sleep had to be, and this and that. And then being, being with a traveling mystic, well that presented lots of opportunities. You know, I remember we were heading for a gathering one day, I think this is in her book, heading for the gathering and she's like, pull the car over absolutely pull the car over. And we were in one of these little two-seater Honda Insights little, and so we pull over and the big Mack trucks are rolling by, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's such a tiny car that <laughs> every time a truck goes by we're all in. And so I just lean my chair back and, because she said, absolutely we can't move, pull this, so we're there having the cars and trucks go by us. And then it, it dawned on me, I said, well, you know, we've got a, a gathering tonight, and they're expecting us for dinner, and, you know, we're supposed to be waiting for us to do a gathering. And, no, 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 I need to, I have to sleep, I have to sleep now. Da, da, da. If my mom, Jackie, was here, she'd take me to a hotel. <laughs> so it's like, we're traveling around, living a simple life, and a little Honda inside, the car is bouncing around, and now if my mom was here, she would take me to a hotel, proper hotel. So th these are all the forgiveness opportunities, but we could chalk that one up to loosening from the beliefs in sleep. You know, it, so it's always 
everything's happening for our own good from a higher perspective, but from the ego's perspective, it's going to try to make everything, everything wrong. Yeah. Yes, and difficult. Thank you. But that's kind of funny because I was, I was, uh, wake up, I was awakened. Um, because my head, last night my head was on fire. I feel like it is going to explode. I took my prescription drugs and they didn't work. I took the emergency prescription drugs and they didn't work. <laughs> so I come down. I first uh, thought about using the spot <laughs> where Portia was. So <laughs> when I when I saw her, I see um well, I'm going to try to know to not to, to make no noise. So I didn't. I want to go to the coach, but I just go out and stay here in this in these uh, seats, and then I feel like oh I want I would like to have a tea a cup of tea. I went to the kitchen, but there was not hot water. So I wanted to boil the water in the microwave, but I feel no, I cannot awake um, Portia because, <laughs> because I feel like he, she is someone that I respect. It's like before someone was take, talking about the elders, that wh what is the difference between the elders and the other one, no? something like that. So I, 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 I see Portia as a, an advanced student, and I'm realizing that I'm seeing everyone as an advanced student, and I feel like I don't belong here. <laughs> so it, my question is, so this this was the ego, this was the Holy Spirit, uh, that it's, I don't know how the Holy Spirit is using this uh, discomfort, or maybe it's, I, I cannot discern, because you said the discernment is in the feelings, but I cannot trust my feelings. It's like, like two weeks ago, I found some dollars that my father, that passed away last year, left in 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 a suit, and I was like, "Oh, it's wonderful! I'm happy. Uh, it's an extra extra money for traveling." But then I realized, but no, this is an idol. This is money, so. I I believe that when I am the moments when I am happy, it's because I am investing in some in the form and not in the content. So I, I I'm very confused, and also I'm confused right now about the these words, the my mind and the mind. When I I don't know what what phrase 
I should use because I, I think my mind because I had the responsibility for the atonement and but it's not my mind I'm a thought maybe I am a portal for the mind I am confused about this thing could you please help me please yes please. yes yeah we can look at that yeah sometimes sometimes we just say the mind because oftentimes my mind is associated with a personal mind and just like the brain you know inside this body is a brain and then people will associate the mind my mind is being very personal and that you might say my private mind my private mind with private thoughts that's it's just like this talking about the brain it's it's part of the ego's trick to think that we have individual minds and it, it can be unfathomable to think that we're all really part of the same mind the mind of God that is more the advanced um, part of the workbook you know where you get to the review section and it says my mind holds only what I think with God he's not talking about a personal mind an individual mind that holds only what it thinks with God so to the extent that you can just start to see it as just the mind and these are thoughts coming up in the mind whether it's a noise or it's a person speaking or it's something that you feel you're thinking it's it's really all the same but it takes a lot of practice you can't be farther along or you can't project yourself to somewhere you just have to be with with what you can experience the Holy Spirit always works that way. The Holy Spirit will always come and just reach you right where you perceive yourself to be. The Holy Spirit's always very gentle and offers things like, here, try this. And here, see, try this. You know, it's just always wanting us to grasp something and then take us higher and higher. There was a time um, when, when Kirsten and I were traveling, and I think it was. Midwestern United States and she was having a bad day and she was very confused and very uncomfortable and very very upset But she did tell me she just said I feel terrible and Then that's the time when I, I just kind of looked around and then the Holy Spirit said take her for ice cream helados uh, this dairy, dairy Queen we have these things so I I took her there and had an encounter, it was only us two and this uh, man at the, the Dairy Queen and he got so excited, I said, this is her first trip ever to Dairy Queen he was so excited, like I said, show her what you got, and he was, oh, blizzards and this, you know, he got and then her attitude started to lift so the Spirit used ice cream uh, you know, and the Spirit will use anything to reach us because we have to be able to relate to it and you can just whenever you see those thoughts come like oh I'm a beginner student and and I don't belong here you know we really are all in this together and nothing no one is here by accident this is what quantum shows us that it's everyone who's here is is for us to gain a lesson 
and everyone's part of the very same lesson. We're all learning this lesson of forgiveness. And if you can just remind yourself of that, it, it helps when the ego starts comparing. Because the ego always wants us to feel unworthy and that we're not enough and less than, so it's, that's, it's tricks. It always is going to try to to compare. But I think if you just say, I'm here to take it easy on myself, I, I don't have huge expectations, I'm not going to put heavy expectations on myself, and I'm just going to go from moment to moment, from place to place, and and stay open, and just say, here I am, Holy Spirit, Let's. I'm, I'm here to work with you, then that's the, that's the best, that's the best place. But we're just so grateful that you're here, really. <laughs> we're very grateful. Yeah. We've got some Espanol questions coming. You're next. Is it turned on? Ahora sí. Bueno, mi pregunta es sobre el guión. My question is about the script. Que ya está escrito. That is already written. Entonces, eh, bueno, yo observo este personaje. I watch this character. Yo he venido trabajando sobre una creencia de responsabilidad. I've been working with a, a belief in responsibility. Porque dentro del, como del, de la película, en mi, en mi casa soy yo la responsable de... de de pagar el arriendo, de la comida, de los servicios. Because within my movie I'm responsible in my house of paying for the food, for the rent, for everything. Y en este momento pues veo que mi personaje dentro de la película no tiene un trabajo. And no right estoy generando eh, dinero. And right now as the character in this movie I see that I don't have a job and I'm not generating any money. Y, y vienen y salen todas estas dudas y, y miedos y creencias de que me tengo que mover, de que tengo que, que, se, que estar activa, de que tengo que conseguir, tengo que, que hacer, tengo que buscar un trabajo. And all these beliefs come like, a, I have to find a job, I have to search, I have to be active and I have to do something. Entonces la pregunta mía si es si el si el guión ya está escrito o sea que lo que se está dando aquí en este momento eso ya o sea ya 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 estaba. So if the script is written, what is happening right now? That was like already. Ahí como pues tengo es tengo eso ahí está eso ahí esto eso está eso ahí de que tengo que conseguir un trabajo para poder sostener para so, poder sostener mi hogar y so, sostenerme yo. And I have this belief that I have to get a job to be able to sustain myself, sustain everyone else. Yeah. Well, the, the meaning that you're seeing in the, the script or the movie is, is being, you're giving that meaning to it. And it would be like uh, changing the channel um, Like coming to this retreat is like changing to another channel where the the same uh, requirements are not present in this situation. 
So it gives you a glimpse, like, huh, this is different. Uh, it, it shows you, that's what a miracle is, it shows you that, that you have a very important function, but the function is in your mind. And your function is to become aware that you are dreaming this dream. You are the dreamer of the dream. Every law that the ego has made up is to prevent you from seeing that you are the dreamer of the dream. Even in uh, parapsychology, uh, you can reach a you can hear people that reach a state where they are aware that they are dreaming. They've had glimpses of, of being aware while they're dreaming that they are dreaming. And this is a state that's free from expectations. It's free from all the roles of the world. And the roles are learned. So, the Holy Spirit has to give you an experience that the way that you perceived the world was not the truth. And this is what miracles do. Miracles show you that you have a powerful mind and that you are just looking at your thoughts. So, when you give yourself over to this miracle, and you let it lead you and guide you, you start to pay more attention just to your feelings and to your state of mind. And you start to loosen from these ideas of past roles, learned roles, because that's where the, the limitation comes in. And then, as you keep giving yourself over to the miracle, you start to have a different view of, of the, the world. So, if there are things like um, debts, or things like a mortgage, or where you've made a commitment that's a financial commitment, the Holy Spirit will begin to help you unwind from those beliefs and those thoughts. So it's not about pretending that they don't exist, but it's about being shown, ah, I am sustained by God. I am sustained by the love within me. Not by money, not by working or having a vocation, but by being a miracle worker. That's the highest calling that you can have. And so, this is all just a witness of your desire to be shown that there is another way. And even with your translator, Anna, uh, she was supposed to be working in the kitchen. And uh, we were talking on uh, Facebook Messenger, and Anna said, well, you know, I, I have to cook. And I said, 
No, not for this retreat. I said, uh, your translation skills are much more helpful than cooking in this, this retreat. I said, it, it would be like being a diamond cutter and instead having to work in a coal mine and <laughs> dig the coal. <laughs> I said, no. But, and this is how the Spirit works. The Spirit always is using our skills for the most benefit for everyone. And the ego wants us to keep tied down to a personal identity and use our skills only for maintaining our false identity, which can include work and career, even relationships, sometimes people get into relationships just to, for survival. They believe they need the relationship to survive. But the Spirit is undoing all of these false thoughts and beliefs, saying, no, no, there's a, you have a very high calling to answer. So I feel like that's why you're here. You, you have a, a deep desire for, to, to know God, and now the Spirit is saying, watch, uh, everything will work out for this higher purpose. And the other thing that's important to remember is the Holy Spirit is working out the best for everyone. So the Holy Spirit doesn't say, oh, I will help you, but sorry, these others have to suffer now. <laughs> it's, it's always, a, God's will is for perfect happiness, is healing for everyone. So you have to just really feel that everything that I do with the Holy Spirit is for everyone. It, it sends a blessing to everyone. There's no loss involved in answering the call. Yeah. Yes. And we've got, she's got one right here, Angie. <laughs> cha, cha, cha. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in, in, the, in the story of, of Angie, she hates speaking in front of more than one person. Um, but God's grace gives me this massive physical feelings when I need to speak, and I have absolutely no choice. I just speak. And um, so obviously I need to speak. Um, and to the point where um, the Spirit led me to, um, I was told to, I was asked to give a communion message at my brother's church and I just knew I had to do that, say yes, yes, yes. And I thought, how's this, how's this going to work? And the message came through from spirit so strongly of what to say. And when I got up there, there was like nothing but me and spirit standing there. And this story came out about... Um, seeing these people in a mental asylum and I went through this story of explaining, you know, we're in the mental asylum and, you know, if someone escapes and commits murder or something happens, you know, um, what would happen to, you know, with the crazy person? Are, are they guilty? And sort of people are like, you know, well, not really, no, because they're insane. And, you know, we went on to talk about 
if this person had to go to trial, you know, about having a lawyer and things like that. And then, you know, Spirit gave me this picture of, I said, who who do you think would be the best lawyer? Who is Who is the greatest lawyer that ever lived? And there was this picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do to just plead insanity, to that pleading of insanity. And I said, you know, picture yourself back in that mental asylum. You know, you're not visiting. You're there. You know, we are wandering around, you know. And and it was really helpful picture for me that um, we are completely innocent by reason of insanity in this world. So to even work that out yourself, you know, um, this world is insane and, and everything I keep hearing and everything that, you know, I say and I see reflected, it's all insanity and how beautiful it is that, that we are innocent. Um, not innocent because of right and wrong, but innocent in reason of insanity and just God is so gracious and gentle and I had to share that, but I hate speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because that that reminds me too that um, that's why everyone is just simply calling out for love and calling out for healing and punishment does not have a place. There is no room for punishment in in God's plan. Only answering calls for help and love, and that's what a beautiful reminder that is. Thank you. And I think we've got a question over here. Fernanda? Uh, I'm not sure how to put it, actually. I don't even have the question for me in my mind, but you're talking about skills, so that made me think of, do we have different skills and talents that we should use for God's purpose? And how not to confuse that with our ego to feel, oh, I have this special talents, or yeah. uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, as we said, the ego invented all the hypotheticals and invented the human beings and time and space, and, and so all the skills uh, were developed in time by the ego. They take time to develop. But in one instant, you can just say, okay, so what? The ego did all that. Now I want everything that the ego made to serve the greater good, the plan of awakening. And it's possible in just one instant, in one decision, to, to give uh, these skills and abilities as part of the, the context of the personality, give them all over to the Holy Spirit and say, now you use them. And that's exactly how it went in my parable, because I had 10 years, I think I told you at lunch um, the other day, I had 10 years of university and developed a lot of different skills, but I wasn't happy. I was not happy with what I was using them for. It was still very much for the personal uh, goal, personal goals. But as soon as I gave all the skills over, then um, I would say from that point on, then the skills were used as part of a, a plan for opening my heart up, uh, learning to trust, to develop more trust in the Spirit, to have a better communication link with the Spirit, to learn how to listen and follow, because 
those skills were not really being used for personal betterment at that point. And I had to develop a stronger trust that all my needs would be met. And that's the way that it went. I, I, I would just go and let the Spirit speak through me, and smile through me, laugh through me, hug through me. Very enjoyable, very heart-opening, uh, much different than anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And also, things would just show up, places to stay, people offering me, do you need this, can I help you with that? I had a lot of pride at, you know, having to do it all on my own. So there was a lot of letting go and learn to receive and accept that this was the Spirit's way of using the dream to provide for my needs. Because the Spirit knows we, as, as a, a belief in the ego, there's needs, there's preferences, you know, just part of the human condition. And yet, the Spirit was able to bring those things into me in such amazing ways where I, I didn't seem to consciously choose for it. Like being invited to someone's house and they serve your favorite meal. Or there was a time when I was doing some traveling in California with my friend Armel and she didn't even tell me what her favorite meal was, but she loved salmon dinner. And so we would go from house to house up the coast and salmon dinner, the next night is salmon dinner, the next night is salmon dinner. She didn't even tell me. I said, wow, this, these are amazing meals. And she said, mm, that's me. You know, I, we weren't telling the host uh, what to cook. It was just synchronicities showing up one after the next. And she liked the salmon ditters. Um, it's okay, exactly. Yeah, you don't control them. They just show up, you know, like you said, for you it was working so hard, like a workaholic, where you put so much energy into work that you knew you'd gone way too far in that direction. So now it's, it's like you're in a period of enjoyment, where things are coming and you can really savor them and enjoy them. And, and then the more that happens, the more you lose a sense of having to need to personally control those things. Like just by serving spirit, those things will come in. Like with Kirsten, it was Halados, it was the, or the, the ice cream, everywhere we would go. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. She also was born and raised uh, with Jackie and, and her, her father and, and siblings on New Zealand. So she was raised on an island and she loved water. So when we would travel, lakes, oceans, swimming pools, it was like everywhere we went there was water. And, and it was like the Spirit in a broader way saying, oh, thank you, I love you so much, thank you for your willingness to be used by the Spirit in this plan. And all these things would come in, but it wasn't conscious, you know, we weren't doing that. There was also a, a time when I was traveling up and down the coast of um, Australia doing gatherings down there and and 
every time before the gathering, I would just wake up and just pray and put on some clothes. And every single time, every place I stopped, I was perfectly matched with my clothing with the backdrop. <laughs> so, so the woman I was traveling with, her name was Helena, she started noticing this. And so in the morning she would wait till I would shower and I would get dressed because she didn't know what the venues, where we would be, and she wanted to try it out. So then she would take the cue and she would watch what I wore. Then she would dress herself the same way to match me and then we would match with the environment. Every single place we would go and then she would be like, Actually, I'm doing it. I'm watching you get dressed, she'd tell me, because I see that you always match, and you don't even try. You don't even care. But the Spirit is, is doing this, because these are these soft little reminders that we're so loved and cared for. But it's so different from that working, pushing so hard to try to get the things that we want. You know, we're conditioned to work hard, do meaningless things, sometimes that we are pretty bored with and we don't really like, but to earn the money so that we can then control the environment and, and even try to control the health of the body. You know, we, we can put a lot of time and energy into that and then Jesus tells us it's, it's your thoughts, it's, it's all about your mental health. When you're at peace and you're thinking thoughts with God, then everything will flow, your health will flow from the inside out. And you don't have to work so hard to try to make it happen on the outside, because that takes a lot of time, effort, and money. So it's a beautiful question, because it's, it's really, I think, it, it's turning your life to a much easier, gentler flow, away from a very kind of hard, kind of driven way, you know. Beautiful. I'm sure that's why you're here, to, to really reinforce that. Let go, yeah. That we don't really need to control, yeah. And then in the larger context, what Melissa was bringing up was the script is written. If we start to relax into that, then we can let go of control on a much bigger scale. Um, beyond our personal control of the body, then we, we don't need to be controlling other people. When we're working in the system of the ego, maybe we're like a manager or we're the boss, then it's part of the role. And even though our heart doesn't really like yelling at people or, or trying to motivate other people, um, the more we get into spirit, we, we don't question the motives of others. We're more paying attention to what is my purpose. You know, we focus on that and everything goes easy when we do that. Yeah, it's beautiful.